All righty. Well, that worship was really good this morning, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah the Lord's good, isn't he? Yeah, yeah amen. <laughs> See if I can still remember how to preach at River Life. It seems like a long time since I preached here, so i got to find the River Life, the River Life gear. So uh, I wanted to read this verses here, uh, Exodus uh, 33, and I want to read verse 12 first. Maybe they'll put it up there because I didn't write it down. Yes. Uh, Then Moses said to the Lord, uh, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. And then verse 13. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I might know you, and that I might find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. Amen. All right, so what I want to uh, talk to you about this morning a little bit is... Um, uh, really what I want to talk to you about is the ways of God, okay? And Moses begins by, you know, saying, you know, that the, the Lord said to him that, that God had had grace in his eyes. Already God, he said, you said I have grace in your eyes. And then he prays, Lord, if I, if I have grace in your eyes, teach, teach me your way that I might know you. And that, that I might find grace in your eyes. Are y'all, y'all catching that little thing? So this is really an important uh, principle about God and about how God works. Um, nothing that God does on the earth is there's a, a foundation that he lays in everything he does. Um, and, every, and his foundation is always what I call unconditional. In other words, God always makes the first move. Okay, he told Moses, I've given you grace. And then Moses says, if I have found grace, teach me your way that I might know you, that I might find more grace. You got, do y'all see that? So God builds uh, con- conditional things, often something unconditional. Does that make sense to you? Because that's really, really an important principle uh, in the spirit realm. Because uh, ha- everything has to be based on what God's already done and what God's already said. And then once you have that revelation of that, then you, like Moses, then you can you know how to pray, you know how to tap into what God has more for you. And so, so Moses says, you know, and, and also here it could be favor. Um, as grace and favor are the same thing really in the Bible. Um, I don't know if you know that or not, but, you know, we... They really are the exact same thing. They're the same in the New Testament. They're the same word. And so Moses was saying, if I found favor, and some translations actually use that word, favor versus grace, show me your way that I might know you and that I might find more favor in your sight. So the grace of God, the favor of God is, is not a static thing. It's a dynamic thing. It's something that can be developed and something that can grow in your life. And that's really, uh, really powerful and important. You know, I think all of us know that the Bible says that Jesus did increase in wisdom, stature, and favor with God. He increased in it. You get that? God, he increased in something. Uh, he didn't just go with the favor that he was born with. God actually gave Jesus more favor as he grew. 
And see, we can have more favor. And God is really interested, I believe, in this season to increase the, His favor on people's lives. And, and see, and really what God wants us to do is God wants us to cooperate with Him to tap into this favor. And you can have it in every realm of your life, every realm of your life. You can have it in your work life. God can give you favor at work. If you go to work and you work for somebody and you, and you work under somebody, God can give you favor in those people's eyes. Because it says that Jesus grew in favor before God and man. Is anybody interested in that? I'm, I'm definitely interested in that. So, but but uh, let me just say this. That does n- none of this happens automatically. What has happened automatically is God has given you favor. But now we had to take that favor and we had to increase in that favor and cultivate that favor and allow that favor to begin to go to work for us. And that's what Moses was doing. He was praying like, well, you've said you've given me this favor. And if you have... If you've given this paper, teach me your ways. Show me your ways so that, number one, I can know you. And in knowing you and in learning your ways and walking in your ways, I can, and I can achieve more or receive more favor. And does that make sense? So it all starts with that. Peter said this in 2 Peter 3.18, we grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you can't really separate the favor of the Lord from the Lord himself. Um, so... Let me just say this one more time, though. This is really, I'm not sure if I'm making sense in this. Everything that God does, there's an unconditional part to it. Okay? Jesus came, and it says he forgave the sins of the world. That's unconditional. Right? The whole world's been forgiven, but the whole world hasn't received forgiveness. The conditional part is that we receive his forgiveness. We, we, we turn into and, and him and receive his. That's what we do. There's a part that we play in the economy of God. Okay? There's a part that we play. And so what, in other words, if we're going to play our part, we're going to have to learn God's ways. We're going to have to learn how, how God operates because God doesn't operate the way we operate. God, it, the Bible says that God's in Isaiah 55, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are different than your thoughts. So for, for us to really have everything that God has, we have to begin to shift the way we think and learn how God does things. Because a lot of times we don't know how God does things. We have no clue what God's doing. You know? And, but God has invited us to know some things. So let me read this to you. De- Deuteronomy 29, 29. This is an amazing scripture here. I want you to get this one. It says, The secret things belong to the Lord. Our God. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever. That we may do all the words of this law. In other words, there's two, two revelations. There's two aspects of the knowledge of God. Of who God is and how God works. One, there's the secret things. And those are things that God has not revealed to man. Okay? God has some secret things that we don't know about. Like, for instance, the Trinity. Does anybody ever figure that Trinity thing out? Nobody's really figured it out. All illustrations of the Trinity fall short because God has not revealed the Trinity. God has not revealed that He's self-existence. Where did He come from? Have you ever asked God that question? you ever thought about that? That's a mind-blowing question. But God has chosen not to reveal that. He's not chosen to reveal that aspect of Himself. I personally think the book of Revelations, for the most part, is a very unrevealed book. 
In other words, I don't believe God has really revealed what truly that book is really saying. People have little pieces here and there, but the book of Revelations is not a revealed book. Go back 10 years and see what people are saying. You know, 88 reasons why Christ is going to come in 1988. <laughs> right? That was really a book like that. It might not have been 88, but it was... Was it? Yeah. And then you know what the guy did when Christ didn't come back in 88? He wrote another book, 89 Reasons Why Christ is Going to Come Back. Seriously. And you know what the terrible thing is? People bought the book. They bought both of them. They bought the first one. Oh, well, he missed one. They bought the... Duh. You know, we're not always that brilliant of people. You know? So there are things that God doesn't reveal, and there's a danger. There's a danger. Okay? Here's what happens to a lot of people. Forget the doctrinal stuff. Forget the, the Trinity, the, you know, all the theological. Think about the stuff that goes on in your life that God, for some reason, does not, have, does not answer your questions. You know what I'm talking about? There's things that happen in all of our lives which are mysterious to us. And, and many times it's the worst of things. Right? It's the worst of things, the most difficult things, and God seems to not say a word to us about it. And a lot of Christians get thrown off because they push into God about why this is happening. Why aren't you doing this? The Bible says this. Why, you know, do you, are y'all with me? Is any, or am I the only idiot in the room? You know, that, that we press on God to get answers. Okay, and if we're not careful, we're going to make God the defendant and we're going to become the persecutor. We're going to the prosecutor. We're going to begin to prosecute God based on what God hasn't done, what we believe he should do. So there's this danger of us pushing into things that God has chosen not to reveal. That he's kept secret for some reason. And we have to learn how to respect God, the silence of God on things. Everybody in this room, if you're going to come to a place in your life, you're going to have to learn to respect God's silence. And when he chooses not to tell us something, we have to at some point give up trying to get him to tell us. And it'll help you if you begin to do that. I needed to know that a few years ago, you know. So that's a, there's a but there's another aspect. And, oh, listen, um, here, here's something that's really bothersome to me. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about winds of doctrine, blown about at winds of doctrine. Oh, Lord, have mercy some of the crazy stuff people get into. And, and most of the time it's something that's really, there's not much really in the Scriptures about it. It's some obscure thing, and they build this whole theology around this real obscure passage in the Bible, and they develop this whole doctrine about it, and their whole life is centered around They write books, and they have ministries around something that there's really not a lot of biblical uh, substantiation in it. And people get off all into that stuff. You see what I'm saying, how you can get off in your life spiritually? And I'm going to tell you, Pentecostal and charismatic Christians are the absolute worst for that. I mean, this is what, this is what I call charismania. Like, this is, uh, who, you know, I don't want to get into that. You know, I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. You know, that's what I've told some people when they were going to pray for me one time. And they were going to summon this demon. And I'm thinking, oh, don't be summoning no demons in my life. I got enough demons. There's enough demons around me all the time. I don't need you summoning any demon and then, you, you know, and then you're going to put it under the blood. You ain't got to worry and be scared. See, all that stuff, that's just not really something we need to... That's stuff that we don't know about. God's not revealed that. And it's, better, it's better not to get yourself into that, that kind of stuff. No, I don't need to know it. That's right. So the next thing, though, is the revealed things of God, right? Are y'all okay? 
Yes, good. Thank you, Lord. Proverbs 2, verse 1 through 7. Listen to this. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within in you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then, everybody say then, you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. So if you will notice some of the words in there, receive, treasure, incline, apply, cry out, lift up, seek her as silver, search for her, then something will happen. Okay, so you see, these are very all very active things that the writer of Proverbs was telling us. And see, that's the way revelation is, the things revealed. Here's the thing we need to know about revelation, about the things that God revealed. They're, they really are like a treasure. They're not on the surface. You see what I'm saying? That's, that's what this is telling us. It's telling us the best things of God, the choice things of the kingdom of God, lie beneath the surface. And if we're going to really have the choice things, if we're going to really pursue those things, we have to look at these things as a treasure. Something that's going to take some effort on our part to, uh, to get to. And that's why it says you've got to search for them. You gotta, and that's what people do about treasures. That's, that's why Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. That's, yeah. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Yeah. And a man found out there was a treasure there, and he went and bought, sold everything he had and bought the field. And so if we're going to be people that walk in the revealed things of God... We're going to have to have the attitude that the, reveal, the revelation that God wants to give us and the revelation that's available to us is just not going to float out of the air into your lap. You're going to have to pursue something. You're going to have to, there's a part that you have to play in having this revelation. And I think that's really important for people to get because everybody wants revelation. And some people really walk in a very powerful gift of revelation. But most of the people who are walking in it, they, they're, they're, they're doing this. They're going after it. They're pursuing it. They're looking for it. They're, this, it's a, a passion in their heart. It's a desire in their heart to know the things that God has given us to us and our children so that we can pass those things along to our children. Here's a great example that I really love is uh, recently my grandson Luke had a sore throat. Okay, and he wanted prayer for sore throat because Luke is a is a child of prayer. Somehow, I, I don't know who gave him this idea that God answers prayers, but you put that boy in any situation where he feels like he needs something, he's asking the Lord to do it. I mean, it's an amazing thing, really. He probably has a calling towards prayer when he as he grows up. But I said, okay, I'll pray for you, Luke. And I said, Luke, first of all, I want you to know Jesus has already healed you. And he said, but I'm not healed. <laughs> and then I went on to explain to him what the Bible says. 1 Peter 2.24. By his stripes we are healed. That in your, I said, Luke, in your spirit you're whole. You're perfect, you're healthy, you're whole. And the key for us is, is, is that we're not begging in God to heal you. We're just asking what God's already done to manifest in you. 
Are y'all following that? That's why, and so, because when I, I've learned, when I pray for anybody, for anything, I've, I'm always saying that to them. I'm not asking God to do something and trying to get God to do something that he's not done. I'm asking him to actually manifest what he's already done in your body. And I think that's really, see, that's a basis for prayer. That's something that's been revealed, and that's stuff we need to be teaching our children. But we need to be walking in that kind of stuff ourselves, Because a lot of Christianity is about begging God, getting, trying to get God to do something, instead of believing what God's already done. And, and tapping into what God has already accomplished at the cross. And when we begin to see what God's already accomplished at the cross and begin to stand on that, see, it's easy for me to stand on that praying for the sick because then I'm not just trying to get God to do something. God's already done it. I'm just asking Him to manifest that. It's like that thing I said earlier. Someone took issue recently with me because I said it's in the Bible, it's in 1 John, that God has forgiven the whole world of their sins already. Every person on this planet, the worst murderer there has already been forgiven at the cross. The problem is, is they haven't tapped into that forgiveness. They haven't received that forgiveness. They haven't come to Christ to receive what he's already had. You see, God has done a, a lot of, he's done everything for us. The Bible says we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And guess where the heavenly places are? The heavenly places are not just somewhere out there. They're in us. The Bible says that we're a new creation. They're in here. And that's why they're a treasure. That's why the Proverbs said that. They're like a treasure. You've got to go dig for them. That's why Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a treasure. Let me read this one to you. Oh, Lord, help. What happened? Anyways, let's read that uh, 2 Corinthians. You know, this thing says unable to display. It's gotten really weird on me. Let me read this one. Are y'all following this this morning? Yeah, come on, Tony. I know you like it. But anyway, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 7. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? But listen, but we have this treasure where? In an earthen vessel, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Obviously, the Lord Himself is our greatest treasure. But the kingdom of Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. And so when He talks about a treasure, and we're talking about going and looking for treasure and digging for treasure and searching for treasure, the first place we need to start is what's already in us. Instead of trying to get God to do something that God's already done. And and, and believing that God has already accomplished these things in your spirit. That they're in there. The treasure of God is inside of you. The healing's inside of you. The financial breakthrough is inside of you. And so we don't beg God to do those things. We ask Him, Lord, I pray you'd manifest that thing you've already done in me. Show me how to pray like Moses prayed. Lord, teach me your ways. And see, this is the ways of God. The ways of God is for Christ has finished it. Christ has already done it all. And what God wants us to do is by faith tap into what he's already done and we tap in down here inside of us. And that's why we have to search it out. That's what he's talking about. Search it out. You know, receive it first. Receive that. Believe that. And then begin to search it and ask for it and cry out for it. Are y'all okay? Y'all looking at me like I'm just bad. Yeah. Yeah. 
So God wants to teach us, see, this is opposite of what Christianity's, you know, in the past has been. Christianity in the past is we're going to try to get God to do something. Christianity, I think the biblical Christianity is no, God's already done it. What we need to do by faith, learn how to allow that to manifest in our lives. See, there's two ways you cut in it in the spiritual realm. One, and the most important, is you need to learn how to connect in the spiritual realm that's inside of you. Okay? When you can begin to tap into the peace of God, into the glory of God, and the righteousness of God that's already down in your spirit, and you learn how to tap into that and draw that up into the realm of your soul, and your soul begins to change, your soul begins to get conformed to the image of Christ, and then your outward man begins to change. And your outward man begins to be different. Your outward man, then your outward man can begin to tap into the spiritual realm around you. Because there's a spiritual realm all around us all the time. And the way we tap into that is being able to understand it on the inside. If all you're doing is trying to figure, feel what's out here, you're going to be driven by feelings. Are y'all following this? That's all you're going to do is you're going to be driven by feelings. Well, I don't feel like worshiping. That seems dead to me. I don't feel like praying. You're driven by feelings. Because you're, you're, you're going on what's going on out here. Instead of going on what's... And so if you know by revelation, okay, if you know by revelation there's a treasure in you, there's something in you. That's what Becky was saying during the worship. That's what Larry said this morning. Paul said, stir up the gift that's in you. Don't wait for somebody else to stir up. Stir up what's inside of you already. thing okay I really hate to interrupt the pastor but I'm sitting there I'm just um, this is the word of the Lord I recently reconnected with a high school friend of mine he was the drummer in my first rock and roll band I haven't seen him since 1966 and I recently reconnected with me with him he's become a professional treasure hunter and a book writer he's written five books about finding sunken treasure off of the coast of Florida. And I just finished this book about treasure hunting from 17, it was set in 1715. This book about treasure hunting last night. And I'm sitting here and I just wanted to emphasize, please hear what Byron's sharing this morning. There is hidden treasure There's hidden treasure of God's anointing and mercy and grace already in us that we've just got to find and get uncovered. It's in there. I'm just, I I just, woo. It's really. (laughs) I need the help. You know, uh, the Bible says uh, uh, there's a a foolishness when you communicate. Okay, you can just feel really foolish. But there's a power in what God does. And so you have to embrace that weakness, that foolishness, and you have to embrace the power of God. If you're going to really allow the Lord to use you, you have to be, you have to be weak in yourself, but you have to be strong in the Lord. Well, I'm feeling kind of weak this morning. But I do think the Lord is speaking. Let me read this Exodus 33, 7. Uh, it says, Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it outside the camp. Listen, afar off from the camp. Afar off from the camp. And called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass, listen, everyone 
which sought the Lord, went out to the tabernacle of the congregation, which was outside the camp. In other words, Moses didn't plant it down in the middle where it would be nice and convenient and nice and easy and, and everything just all, it's just all great. It's all wonderful. we got the tabernacle. No, he said, no, you know, if you're going to really seek the Lord, there's going to have to be an effort in your part. There's going to have to be something on your part where, God, where you need to go to God. You need to humble yourself and walk outside the camp and have an earnestness in your heart towards the Lord. And when you begin to do that, the surface part of Christianity, which is awesome and wonderful, but you discover there's a whole other layer of revelation. There's a whole other layer of truth. There's a whole other layer of things that God has for us. And if we, are willing, if we just sit here and say we're just going to accept what we have, accept the revelation we have, accept the truth we have, we've made a huge mistake because God is saying you have only scratched the surface. You've only tasted a drop of water out of the whole ocean when it comes to, to who God is and what God's like. And so God is beckoning and calling us. That's what I feel. I feel like the whole worship this morning was like a prophetic thing, like, you know, that God was saying He was trying to pull us and draw us in and not to continue living where we've been and not to accept the Christianity of the past. But step into something new with God. Step into something fresh with God because God's available. God's available. But God is the treasure. That's really, He's the treasure. Uh, to God, we're the treasure, right? To God, to God, we're the pearl of great price, right? But to, from our perspective, God's the treasure. God's the pearl of great price. And what God is inviting people to go beyond where they've been. To go beyond where they've been. And what I feel really strongly about is, you know, this thing that has hindered a lot of us is, is when God hasn't communicated to us about what he's doing. I, I've told the Lord recently, like, okay, Lord, um, you know, I'm supposed to be the pastor of the church, which means I'm sort of supposed to be kind of a leader here and kind of supposed to know what you're doing. You know, I mean, right, that's what you kind of have an expectation of leaders. Like, you're going to lead and we're going to follow you, but we, we kind of expect you to know where you're going, right? We don't want some dope up there just leading us off to a ledge somewhere and some craziness. But I'm saying, but my problem, Lord, is I don't have no clue what you're doing. I have no idea what you're doing. I really wish I knew what you were doing. And you know what the Lord said to me? He gave me a scripture. It says, uh, it's about Peter and John. And it said, the Pharisees noted, it's Acts 4.13. It said, the Pharisees noted their boldness and that they had been with Jesus. And that's what the Lord said. All you've got to do is be with me. If you will make that, that's how you find the treasure. You go and you make, you have a devotion to the Lord. You're willing to get up from where you're at. Because if you're devoted to somebody, you'll do stuff for them. You'll get up from where you're at. If, even if he's over yonder outside the camp, you're going to be willing to get up from popular culture and what everybody else believes and all the popular things that goes on in the church world that everybody's doing. It looks cool. It looks great. But somewhere or another, God's out here outside the camp. You're willing to walk away from that and go to that place where he's at. That's the kind of heart. Paul said, pursue love, earnestly desire what? The spiritual. Gifts are not even in there. It's, they added it. It's the spiritual. 
Pursue love. Both of those are action words. Pursuing something and being earnest about something. And that's how we find these things. That's how we discover the treasure that God has planted in each one of us. And, I, you know, I can look at certain one of you's face and it's like you, I just want to tell you, you got a treasure inside of you. That's what I want to say. You got something. You're not what you're, what your face reflects something else. Your face reflects a beggar, an orphan. That's what your face reflects. And I'm going to tell you something. The reason I know that because that's what my face reflected for years. But that was a lie. That was a deception. All that's, that's all that was. It was a deception. But your believing rules you. If you believe that you're trying to get God to do something, trying to get God's love, trying to work things out in your life, if you believe that, then that's what you'll be. That's what you'll get. And that's the way it'll always be for you. Instead of believing that God's already done it, that God loves you, and that God cares about you, He's already brought you into His family, you're not as messed up as you think you are. You know? Let me tell you this. I was asking the Lord to speak to me last week. Because I was excited. Lord, I need you to speak to me. I need you to talk to me. But I decided, you know, you can talk to me about anything you want to talk to me about, Lord. That's, that's the bottom line. I don't care what you, just as long as you're talking, I'm happy. You can talk about, you know, you can talk about the space program if you want to. And I, I'll talk to you about the space program. And uh, so the Lord spoke to me something. I don't think I need to be sharing what he spoke to me about. It's about something that happened to me when I was younger that was really bad. I mean, really bad. And for years, I've tried to deal with it. I've tried many ways to deal with it. i tried to get help with it. I could never do it. I could never do it. It's like I could never get that thing in me fixed for some reason. You know, and other people that I went to that were good at fixing stuff in people, it's like never could get past that. And the Lord just, I said, Lord, he brought it to me. I saw it, and he brought it. And I said, Lord, I'm still, this has still got me messed up. And this is what he said. I have set the captives free. I have set the captives free. And I'm telling you, something happened to me in that moment. When I said, I said, oh, yeah. Jesus said that in, in Luke 4.18. You've anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to open the blind eyes, to set the captives free. And I just said, I just believe that today. I believe that. And guess what happened? Easy, easy as pie, right? But listen, I'm 60-something years old, and I'm getting on up there. That's been a long haul. <laughs> so It's been a long haul. I just wish I'd have had that revelation where I really believed that captives have been set free. Yeah, I really believed it through my heart. Let me read one more scripture to you. Are you all right? This is terrible. I am in terrible. Well, I wanted to read this because this would be a really good thing for people. Um, hey, how many people didn't get to hear Corey's message on June the 4th or whenever it was? Was it June the 4th? Where's Corey? He was here. Oh, you should listen to his message. Oh, yes. You should listen to it because here's what Corey did. He has such a cool way of talking to people. 
and sticking a knife into their heart. <laughs> and they don't even know the knife's been stuck in there. I listened to that message and I thought, oh my goodness, do they know what Corey did to them? <laughs> I mean, he just sliced and diced the fire out of some people. In fact, I'm surprised people are not offended. But I suppose if you're preaching to youth week after week, and if you're going to keep their attention, you're going to have to learn how to say some really hard stuff in a really nice way, but still it affects them. But he's talking about being childlike. That's what he's talking about. And it'd be worth your time if you didn't listen to the message to go listen to it. It was a beautiful message. I thought, I thought, boy, I wish I could do that. Most of the time when I'm saying hard stuff, people are feeling like I'm being mean. You know, I, ugly about it. No, I'm not. I agree. But listen to this. Matthew eleven twenty five. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you. This is about the treasure. Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Listen, because you've hidden. These things from the wise and prudent. He's talking about the things of the kingdom. He's he's talking about the treasure. The wise and the prudent. The intellectual Christian. I'm just being honest with you. If you're driven and ruled by intellect, what I'm talking to you about this morning is going to be hidden from you. Okay? It's just going to be hidden. I'm sorry. I didn't make up the rules here. Okay? And I'm not saying that just because I'm a non-intellectual. Because actually there's certain parts of my mind, a life that I'm very intellectually driven. You know, I love just things that I loved. And I like to study things and understand things. But when it comes to spiritual things, I've realized, I've found out I can't understand spiritual things. I can't be driven by intellect. I have to be driven by the Spirit of God in me. And just let my intellect work. But you've revealed them to babes. You reveal them, but if you really want to find that treasure, you're going to have to take on a quality of being a child, a quality of being innocent, you know. And that's the way when Luke, when I said, well, you know, he was so frustrated when I said to him, you're healed, Luke. No, but no, I'm not healed in his mind because he was just, I mean, I began to explain it to him. That, Luke, I'm not saying you don't have a sore throat, but I am saying God has done something in you already. He's healed you. That's what he's because he said you are, you are. And even though our circumstances may may be contrary to everything that the Spirit is saying, it doesn't make it not true. And that's how we find the treasure is when we listen to what the Spirit's saying and not what our intellect's saying and be driven by that. And again, I'm not against the intellect. In fact, I was talking, let me just end this. I was talking to one of Joyce's professors where Joyce got her doctor Joyce okay and I, I'm so proud of Joyce I've already said that but I was talking to the, the, to the woman the professor of theology right that's what she was she was the professor of theology I mean we talking about somebody who knows some stuff and I said I'm out here with the smart people everybody had their doctor's degree I didn't <laughs> you know so I'm out here with the smart people and you know what that woman said to me she, this is what she said she said None of that matters. She said, all that really matters is revelation. That's what she said. This is a theological, you know, genius. A, the- a theological nightmare to people like me, like, you know. Because <laughs> they know so much. They're so brilliant. But she knew something else that was more than that. She knew revelation was the thing. And see, God has revealed things. 
And so the way Mo, and what Moses was saying is, is if, if I found grace in your eyes, if that's true, Lord, teach me how to walk in it. Teach me how to live my life under a cloud of favor so that I can really know you, Lord, and have a relationship with you. And as I do that, there'll be more favor that comes. And so we let go of, of things that God hasn't revealed, of the secret things. We put those things aside. We put our questions that God refuses to answer aside. And we go after the things that God has revealed. And we begin to search them out. And as we search them out, God shows us, this is right here for you. I've always had this for you. Amen? So let me end by you standing up. <laughs> I think I've kind of forgotten how to preach at River Life. <laughs> you know? I'm amazing, yes, that's right. It's great, it's great to have one person that thinks that, right? Yes and amen. Two. Yes, Lord. Three. It's, I just, five people. I'll go with five. five. Five is grace. I can handle that. Anyways, no, it really doesn't matter. You know what matters? The most, like I said, you can't separate any of this from the Lord himself because he ultimately is the treasure. God himself is the treasure. Jesus is the treasure. And when we begin to pursue the things of Jesus Christ, we're going to find Jesus Christ. When we begin to pursue the things of the kingdom, we're going to find the king. And so I really encourage every one of you to, to have a life of devotion with the Lord. Make a place for it. Make an inconvenient place in your life. Get up earlier. If that's what it takes, get up earlier. Just get up earlier. You know, you'll get used to it, trust me. You don't need as much sleep as you get older, right? I don't. I wish I slept more. For me, getting up early is not a sacrifice because I'm awake anyway. It might be. I need to start doing my times with God. It's about 9.30 at night when I'm falling asleep. That's when it would be a sacrifice to me. Like, oh, no, Lord, I'm going to sleep right now. Don't bother me <laughs> mm, at 930 at night. Mm. But I do really encourage you to be with Jesus. That's, that's how things work, being with him. Just humble yourself. Lord, we just ask you today, Paul, pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the revelatory knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what he prayed over the Ephesian people, the Ephesian church. And Lord, we ask you to do that today, that our eyes, our eyes would be enlightened. We would begin to see the treasure. We begin to see the treasure, Lord. Lord, I just pray that people in this room would have a greater desire, a greater passion released out of their hearts for you, Lord. I just thank you for that, Lord, today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord.